Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Okay, everybody, and welcome back to the Future Ear Radio podcast. I'm joined by an awesome guest today, Eric Sorensen. Eric, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you being here. I am the co-founder of HearWorks. And as you all know, you face, at least in private practice, they face so many more threats than ever before. And that's really why we exist, is to help practices grow like they were growing before, to bring private pay business and to help combat some of those threats of the fighting from online competition, third party, you know, managed care, those types of things. And that's why we exist through marketing and automation programs that are vastly different from what most people are used to. So that's what we do. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here today. Um, you know, as we were discussing before we started recording, um, you know, this kind of falls in line with the the series of conversations that I've been having lately, which as you just kind of alluded to there, you know, this idea of in this uh, tumultuous time, I guess you would say, uh, for the hearing care professional, where there's all kinds of new uh, external threats, you know, whether it be some of the ones that have been a little incumbent in the industry now for a little while, like some of these big box retailers that are crowding ever more into the space. And then now with the advent of, you know, the OTC channel coming online, uh, everything that's happening with managed care. Um, I think that now is really the time to figure out how can you differentiate in this market that's increasingly becoming more and more crowded. And so I was really excited when I had the chance to bring you on, because I do think that what you all do at HearWorks is very interesting. I think it falls along the same lines of like ways in which you can differentiate. Um, And so I wanted to kind of just start though with your background, because I know as an outsider to the industry, you certainly have a different perspective. And I would love to just kind of go back to the start of your career in advertising um, and, and kind of just walk us through how you even got to the this industry, which is sort of this tucked away niche of a niche. So it's always yes. kind of interesting to hear how people find their way into this industry. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was completely, completely by accident. None of my experience for at least the first 15 years or so of my career was in hearing healthcare. I didn't know anything about hearing healthcare. I mean, I had an ad, ad agency for about 15 years and I had one healthcare client, which was Intermountain Healthcare in, uh, well, they're a very big company, but didn't deal uh, at all with hearing healthcare, audiology, et cetera. So yeah, my journey was very, very non-traditional. And I'm really only at this point about four, four and a half years into the space. So my background was essentially in in marketing and advertising. In college, I started working for the newspaper, you know, if you guys remember what that was uh, back in the day and uh, loved it. Loved being able to work with clients and help them positively grow their business. It just became a passion of mine. And I started working with ad agencies and I loved the fact that an ad agency could positively influence a client from, uh, you know, really 360 degrees, whereas the newspaper, I was only able to help just a little bit at the time. And so... After college, I walked away from my good paying job and started an ad agency. (laughs) Very little experience, very little knowledge. College, which you know doesn't really teach you everything you need to know about running a business or how to to market or anything like that. And, but I did have two things. One, I was very, very resourceful. Number two, I was very, very hungry to find the answers that would help my clients be successful. And we got one client 
and grew from there. So it was it was really yeah, kind of a fun experience being the CEO of a company, being the marketing director, the creative director, the graphic artist, and the janitor all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably understand where I'm coming from when it comes to that, David. <laughs> yeah, I mean, been there. Um, I've worked every role within Oak Tree. Being a family company, I my first job uh, in the summers when I would work here was. Uh, as the janitor and then working in the warehouse yes. and anyway, go on. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we were really good at because of the fact that we were very small to begin with, I mean, literally started with no clients and got one. Uh, that's a, that's a meager place to start a business. It's not like we bought into a new business. And so I ended up hiring uh, employees and started growing. Uh, one of the things that we noticed in the ad agency world, it was sort of like a law firm set up back in the day where if you called your ad agency, you'd get a $200 bill. If you sent a fax to them or whatever, faxes obviously don't even exist anymore, but in my early <laughs> career, they did, uh, you would get a charge. And so they would nickel and dime them. And we didn't want that. We wanted to be able to say, hey, our goal is to help you grow, create campaigns that will help you thrive. And we're not going to charge you an arm, like nickel and dime you. Here's the price. Here's what it is. Boom. And clients loved it because they're like, okay, basically I have unlimited services uh, for the same price. And I was sort of the yes guy in the sense that I had to say yes to everything. In fact, my voice at the time said, hi, you've reached the phone of Eric Sorensen. If you're a client, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. That was literally my voicemail because we wanted to be perceived as we'll find a way, even if we don't know, because I, I knew newspaper, I didn't know radio, I didn't know TV, I didn't know billboards, I didn't know digital marketing, any of those things. We had to learn them, be resourceful and figure it out. So when a client would call us and say, hey, can you do this for us? And we had a client had us wrap 100 or like 385 or so vans across several states, literally wrap them with vinyl and signage, et cetera. You know exactly what I'm talking about when you see like a telecom uh, yeah, van or yeah. like a Comcast van drive by. We did that. And I'm like, absolutely. We figured it out, had the project done in about two and a half months. It was insane. So because of that, though, over doing that year over year, we ended up learning every aspect of the business from TV to radio to, uh, of course, I actually did work in radio for a small amount of time. I forgot to mention that. But one thing really changed, you know, when you're young and, you know, I had some kids at the time growing a family, it, you're always thinking about, okay, I've got to make money. I've got to support my family, et cetera. And then we had something that really, really changed my life and changed my completely outlook, complete outlook on how I do what I do today. And that is we got uh, an opportunity with a telecom client. This would have been probably around 2012 or so, 20, maybe 2011. And these, this company had been hit massively by the 2008 recession. And if you remember, for those of you that went through that, it didn't last just a year. It kind of staggered into you know, all the way to 2012, 2013 before things really started to, to hum. And they were almost bankrupt. This investment company had bought this telecom company, which is basically cable, internet, and, and TV excuse me, cable, internet, and TV. And what they did was they bought it for about $80 million and the valuation was under $20 million at the time when they hired us. They went back to their investors and said, hey, give us a little bit of money. We think we can turn this around. And as I mentioned, they hired us and did a few other things. Well, long story short, four or five years later, they sold for $267 million. And when they uh, announced to the public, like, you know, how did it happen? How did this turnaround happen? They issued a press release and we were listed as the number three reason why they were able to do that by hiring our agency. And as you can imagine, we got hired everywhere across the country, you know, from we had clients were our biggest client had $7 million in marketing advertising. They hired us to manage all 42 of their states. And 
And we got hired by all kinds of companies and started working with the FBI, the US Air Force, Kia Motors, Walt Disney hired us for a couple of projects as well. And so all of a sudden this little guy sort of, sort of became big and we started growing um, significantly. Well, here was the cool thing about that experience for me. The cool thing was, is when I got a call from the owner of that company after they sold for $267 million, profusely thanking me how we changed lives, their employees' lives, their, their management company, the ownership's lives, and all of a sudden, it stopped being about the paycheck. I started getting more excited about the ability to improve or change a life than I did get a paycheck. And so everything changed. I stopped focusing on money and I started focusing on making a difference in people's lives and making a difference in business owners' lives, essentially, and grow companies. And everything changed. And our, our company quadrupled just in, in a matter of several months by doing that. And well, not to mention when you're getting calls from people that have multi-million dollar budgets, it's pretty easy to uh, quadruple. And we had a lot of success. Well, oddly enough, um, I went through some life, crazy life changes in about at, at the end of 2016. And I had a call out of the blue saying, hey, I want to buy your ad agency. And I wasn't interested because it was my baby. But then all these life changes and challenges that I was facing at the time, it made sense. And I, and I actually said yes, and I ended up selling it. So that was that was a cool um, experience. Um, it, it was really, really exciting for, you know, maybe three minutes. And then I was like, okay, I have no purpose. I have no plan. I have no job. I have nothing to do. What am I going to do? And it was at about that time I got a call from somebody in hearing healthcare who knew me in my hometown saying, hey, um, I, I, I know what you do. Would you we help us with your marketing? So I did for a little bit just on my own. And uh then they said, we're going to build the first automation, uh, marketing automation system in hearing healthcare. Will you help us with that? And I said, uh, sure, let, let's do this. And that was my entry to hearing healthcare. So anyway, I don't know if that was what you're looking for, but I wanted to oh. give just at least a brief synopsis on, on how I got into hearing healthcare. And clearly I ended up staying. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, uh, I appreciate you going through that. I think it's, uh, it adds some flavor to the conversation. It makes this a whole lot more interesting to kind of understand where you came from. So what was, um, my, what I'm really curious to know about is, okay, so here we are in this industry, uh, which is, um, you know, by all accounts, probably a little bit of a laggard in terms of adopting the most cutting edge tactics as it relates to marketing and, and all these kinds of things. So I'm curious, like as you started to kind of immerse yourself in this world, and I know that you actually were a, a clinic owner, so I would love to hear a little bit about that. But what were the things that you saw early on uh, in terms of like the gaps within this particular industry that you knew to be things that were being addressed in other industries that were real obvious to you? Like, I guess, in other words, not to be too cliche, like what was the low hanging fruit? Yeah, it was actually really easy to see what the low hanging fruit was in the very, very beginning, because I, again, I knew how to grow businesses. I knew how to market and uh, across multiple mediums. I, I knew how to really take a business and help it thrive, but I had never, ever worked one with hearing healthcare clinic owners. And two, I never really focused on that 55, 65 plus crowd. Uh, that's that's very a uh, very unique niche, and there are there are a lot of businesses that service that industry, but we weren't one of them. So I had to really understand the patient journey, understand the industry, and I'll never forget. I went to one of the industry's events, and I don't re don't recall which one it was, and I went to every marketing breakout session and or main session that I possibly could because I wanted to understand what was going on and some of the tactics and strategies that were used in hearing healthcare and. I'll never forget the first breakout session I went to, and it was on uh, it was it was a marketing company, and I think they still exist today. 
And they were talking about the website and SEO strategies as well as digital marketing strategies. And I sat back there and listened to this and, and, and nothing against this company, but there were tactics and strategies that I had heard in conferences four, five, six years prior, which had vastly changed. And I realized that some of these strategies I was using in my ad agency having to be really forced to be competitive, because if I'm going to get the, a Walt Disney project from them, I've got to be like Walt Disney level, right? I had to, we had to be resourceful to be able to compete at that level. And when we got hired by Fortune 1000 companies, for example, uh, I had to be at the level that could, that could help grow a Fortune 1000 company. So as I'm listening to this, I'm like, wow, because a lot of the strategies we we implemented for our clients to be competitive and be right on the edge of any innovations that will help a practice or help a business grow, I should say, um, I knew those things would be revolutionary in hearing healthcare. The only thing I didn't understand was how can I really understand the patient journey? What, how do I message to them? How, what, what would resonate with them? Why does it take seven years on average for a patient from the time they have measurable hearing loss to the time they actually take action about it? So I did what most people would do, and I bought seven practices in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, totally I mean, normal. Why not, right? <laughs> yes, I'm the crazy guy that bought practices for the sole reason of understanding the patient journey and understanding how to market a practice and get real-time feedback raw, real, truthful data from a practice that I own and had complete transparency, complete exposure to. We ended up essentially not opening or shutting down five of the offices initially because they were losing quite a bit of money and kept two. Um, so that was a very good decision. But buying these practices and being a practice owner really changed the game for me because I was able to spend really probably three years straight becoming a psychologist, understanding patient behavior, what drives them, what doesn't drive them. Why does it take them seven years to take action? And at that seventh year on average, of course, what's the trigger? Because if I knew that what the trigger was, I knew that would be the goal. Then you can reverse engineer that into a message that would help people take action. What, one of the marketing principles I live by is you have to enter the conversation that's already happening in your consumer's mind, that's already happening in the mind of your patients. And when you do that, they're like, how did he know what I was thinking? How did this, this client know exactly what I was thinking? It's, it's awesome. And there are tools that we use now to understand, not just from listening to patients, but in addition, like get some real raw data on what they're actually thinking and we use that as a message. So it was invaluable. It was definitely a Harvard education for sure yeah. because it allowed me to get complete transparency on, on that patient journey and test and prove automations and marketing tactics and strategies in, in real time, get real time feedback and truly understand what works. And it was great. We grew the practice 62% in the first 90 days and ended up uh, uh, growing substantially more after that. Uh, so it was really an awesome experience to be able to go through all of that and learn exactly what it took. Now, mind you, I didn't have any experience in hearing healthcare. I didn't have any experience uh, working with patients. I didn't know how to read an audiogram. I certainly didn't know how to take a patient through an evaluation, but I didn't actually need to know those. I had who's for all of those things. What I needed to know was really, I, I heard it said by Jay Abraham that there's two major functions of marketing. One is, or sorry, a, biz, a business. One is marketing and one is innovation. In other words, what you do inside of your practice to be able to grow and innovate and help treat patients um, in a way that will you'll solve their problem. And my Obviously, my expertise was in marketing. And so it was invaluable to be able to get that lesson. Yeah, I find that to be really a cool 
part of your story is that you do have the hands-on experience. And I know that, uh, you know, through that period and that process, I'm sure that you probably were able to, you know, a lot of your assumptions probably fell by the wayside. And uh, I also find this really interesting that you, you know, you you obviously had this career leading into this part of your life and, and, and into this part of your career that was largely around, you know, marketing, digital marketing, all these different things, but you were catering to younger demographics. And I do think that because of the nature of the beast of this industry being so heavily skewed toward older demographics, it is a little bit of a paradox because, you know, as much as you want to use all of these new cutting edge tactics, you have to be cognizant of who's ultimately the target audience. And are they even in these channels that you're, you know, like for example, five, 10 years ago, was Facebook a really good channel for you to market, even with all of the really sophisticated tools that Facebook provided you in terms of targeting? Now you can say that like, you know, to an extent, it's pretty good because a lot of the older generations are on there, but there was that period where you had to wait for the adoption to catch up. So it's, it is a little paradoxical in that regard, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, you were able to kind of come in and see, uh, you know, in a real, you know, have like full transparency into here is what a practice owner actually struggles with. And here are some of the ways that I can help them. So I guess let's now flash forward a little bit to where HearWorks came from. Yes. So that first um, marketing company that I was involved with, uh, it wasn't the right fit. We, uh, you know, the partners essentially had different visions and I ended up walking away from that. Um, After walking away from that, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, that's when I met Tucker Worcester, who uh, had started Odd Standard uh, at the time. I want to say it was three or four years prior to that. Um, And it was a buying group, of course. uh, And I essentially we sort of clicked. And so we essentially moved, merged our two organizations into one and, and changed the name to HearWorks. Uh, so that's how we ended up meeting. We ended up meeting from a mutual relationship that we had. And this person had called Tucker and said, hey, you need to talk to Eric Sorensen. He's doing some crazy and innovative things and, and owns practices and these other things that, at the time. And so uh, it worked out really, really well. So one of the things that we were able to do was to take you know, a buying group side of things with an, with his existing clients and new world type of strategies to combat, combat the threats that private practice was facing at the time and still even more so now and be able to create this in, incredible strategic growth company to be able to help practices grow and thrive like they used to before the threats existed. Um, now, one of the things that was really important for me because the cause is so important to me because I saw so many practice owners struggle. I heard the stories, like I've heard them give me the feedback that they've given me of why they're not growing. And one of the things that was really important to me is to say, hey, if we're going to have a buying group component, um, I can't, uh, we can't, we, we need to allow essentially that, that those be separate. Somebody wants to buy units. Great. But we still want everybody to have access to our marketing, our automation programs and uh, platinum partnerships, which we can talk about if you want to, uh, which is uh, really coaching training, uh, helping practices solve the problems that they're facing inside of their practice. And we're doing it on the outside as well, uh, essentially is what that effort is. And I needed to be those, those to be separate. In other words, I didn't want people to have to buy units in order to do our marketing program. So that's how that works. And so it's been opened up the world for us to have a significant amount of marketing clients and automation clients due to the fact that that, uh, that happens. Now, a lot of them do buy units from us, but it allowed me to be able to work on the cause, which was help 
a practice owner really open their eyes to new opportunities that are out there that they didn't know existed and help them grow their practice without having them to take too much time and too much effort and sacrifice to put into marketing. Because let's be honest, most practice owners are not marketing people. These aren't marketers per se. These are hearing professionals that want to spend their time with their patients, right? And I think, again, this kind of gets at where I think a lot of the opportunity lies, which is, look, at the end of the day, as a practice owner, as a practicing professional, that's what your focus really wants. That's what you want to spend your time doing is time with your patient. And so I think that yes. having vendors like you come along that have like this real deep understanding and expertise, not only of your, you know, the, the subject matter that you are obviously an expert in, but also you do have, you know, as a company, you have industry experience. So it's, it's, it's a nice combination. It seems like where you are able to both bring to the table, these cutting edge solutions along with a pretty deep understanding of what it is that your clientele, what their, what their day-to-day actually looks like in ways that you can support them. And so I'm curious to learn more about this though, like in terms of the automation piece, I, and I think it's cool that you've kind of identified that, like, look, we are both, you know, a holistic, uh, member network in the sense that we have this buying, uh, you know, buying group and buying power that we bring to the table. But more importantly, the thing that really differentiates us is all of this different automation and and ways in which we can use these tools to help you to, uh, you know, basically maximize your current patient database, but also bring more people into the funnel. So this would probably be a good time to start talking about some of the ways in which your two tools lend themselves to those two separate things, both, I guess, patient retention and patient maximization, um, and then also patient acquisition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to understand from a foundational standpoint that I think one of the biggest struggles we have today is not the battle that we're facing inside of our practices. Uh, that's important, but most practice owners are very, very good at diagnosing patients. They're very good at their treatment plans. I, I don't think there's any other organization in all of hearing healthcare that does a better job than private practice owners. It's, it really, uh, they, they're incredible what they do. They create an incredible experience, but we tend to focus so much on what's happening inside the practice right? Which, because it's what it's what we know, we're familiar with it. We're familiar with that patient process. Once they show up, we know exactly what to do, et cetera. It doesn't mean it's not challenging, but the real battle that we're facing right now is the war that we're fighting outside of the practice. In fact, I saw a post this morning on, on one of the audiology pages, for example, that was listing the Bose hearing aids and had bone conduction and things like that. And I don't remember exactly the type of post, but essentially it said, oh, great. Another people eating into our share of the market. And yeah, Absolutely. They are. That's, it's crazy. And it's, it's difficult to see these things coming out and this new technology that could push our patients away from us. The real battle I believe that we are fighting today as practice owners is the battle that's happening outside of our practice. But here's the good news. You actually have the ability to influence your patients more outside of your practice than you do inside of your practice. Now, when you, when I know when a lot of people hear that, they're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? No, that's not true. Cause we do an incredible job inside of our practice. And that's absolutely true, but they don't spend most of their time with you. In fact, the average practice sees a patient an hour and a half to two hours a year, at least after the first year of treatment, that is not a lot of time to build a lot of unbreakable loyalty. When you have 
powerful tools like automation and even free channels like social media are options to really influence your patients. You have more opportunity to influence them outside of your practice than you do, at least from a frequency standpoint and even a reach standpoint. And it, that's really what we focus on is, you know, you've got the brick and mortar. We focus on the virtual practice. Because the book Rick and Mortar is part of it, but a bigger part of the equation is making sure, number one, you acquire new patients. Number two, making sure that they're not leaving you after they are your patients and upgrade with somebody else or, or get pulled in by third parties or those types of things. And so that's where our programs are here to provide solutions. And, you know, from the outset, when we say marketing and automation, everyone's like, okay, well, you know, everyone does that, right? Well, there's a very, very, very big difference in how we do them. And just, just a quick explanation on how we do that. There's three real main pillars of what our goal is. Influence, right, which I will talk a little bit about. Impact, which you have the ability, I think, to impact a patient more inside of your practice because you're changing their life, right? You're treating them and you're breathing new life back into them that they had lost because of what hearing loss had done to them over the years, right? And then income as well. Obviously, the more income your practice makes, the more impact you're able to have, and the more you're able to leverage tools to influence your patients outside of your practice. And that's really, really the difference. So our tools essentially are two major things, well, three components of our business, which is marketing, uh, which we call journey influence marketing, uh, automation, which is automated patient care. No, not a reminder system. It seems like everybody sort of have, has automations now, like uh, most of the, uh, the practice management systems, counselor, blueprint, cycle, et cetera, have some automations, but they're mainly reminders. When I say automation, I'm not saying a reminder system. Yes, there's components built in to remind patients, which is important. I'm talking about an influence and uh, system, something that builds unbreakable loyalty and raving fans with your patients by reaching out to them, generating touch points, nurturing them, educating them over the course of their entire journey from the time that they first hear about you to the time they're three or four years down the road and they're upgrade eligible. So one of the major shifts in that is number one, I believe that treatment does not start when somebody shows up to your practice, or at least it shouldn't, because you really have an hour or so to build enough trust and rapport and influence, et cetera, to be able to get somebody to spend five, six, $7,000 with you. That is not all, that, that's a lot, a lot of time. And so our treatment rates as an industry are 40 to 50%, right? When it, when it comes to that scenario. I believe that treatment should start with the very first touch point because you have the ability to influence a patient's mindset, to overcome objections, to like the stigma of hearing devices, for example, or that the perceptions that they have that are not true, you have the ability to correct them. You have ability to build trust throughout that journey and deliver touch points so that when they show up, they haven't just heard of you once. They've heard of, they've talked, you've had conversations with them automatically three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times. So they're much, much more ready to take action on the things that you want them to do that you know will change their life. And so that's that's really one component is re, uh, if you if you want, Dave, you, you tell me, I can kind of go into marketing and then I can dive a little bit more into automation and talk a little bit about raving fans as well. You, you tell me whatever you think would be more helpful to your audience and we'll certainly go there. I don't mind giving you the whole playbook. <laughs> no, I love this. Um I, th I just want to take a step back really quick and just say that I, I think what you're actually saying, though, is really profound. Um, for, you know, the new battleground is what's happening outside the clinic. That is so spot on. And it's actually the, the you can see this, you know, kind of becoming more 
that there's an awareness that's kind of bubbling up that is taking place right now amongst the professionals, I think, um, where they're starting to really understand this. And, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can see that, you know, when I was at, uh, in the end of 2021, I went to a, a number of different trade shows and a lot of like the focus now are around these things that used to be sort of dismissed and were novel at the time. For example, reviews, you know, I remember I saw a talk when I first joined the industry around 2016, it was like a real sparsely attended show. And I can't remember who the presenter was, but they were really talking about the importance of really trying to solicit and generate reviews. And you look at the, the kind of the landscape today. Well, how does the whole patient journey even begin? More times than not, people are, they're so much more resourceful now in terms of how they go and they acquire their information and they, they start of begin that whole buying process. And again, we're talking about the, what is this, like the third largest out-of-pocket expense um, most people will have in their life next to a house and a car is a set of hearing aids. So of course, you know, there's going to be a lot of research poured into this. Then you see, you know, everything that's happening with people like Cliff Olson. I think he's been a huge revelation in this regard where, you know, he's really uh, captured, I think, people's attention of, you know, helping them to begin like the again, that knowledge acquisition of where do I even begin to understand what my options are. And so chances are where 10 years ago, for example, a lot of people, they'd be coming into your clinic with, and they were almost like a blank canvas. You know, they were a blank slate. They, they weren't yeah. really all that well-informed. Now today you have people that they know what different procedures you should be operating in terms of best practice. Like, do you perform real ear measurement? And, you know, they have a pretty good understanding of the bells and whistles that go along with different feature sets of different hearing aids. And so my point is, is that you can't just assume that you're going to be able to influence the person, um, you know, sort of like from scratch when they walk in your doors, you have to be out there in, in a myriad of ways, really, like you said, those three eyes influencing them, uh, and, you know, helping to, to make them aware of what your value proposition is, why they should come see you, why you're different than, all of the other providers like you, not to mention now Costco and all these di different brick and mortar, uh, big box retailers that are getting into this space, the online channel that's, that's really starting to emerge and will continue to emerge self fit and all these different things. So this is again, where I think that we are at like this really, really important inflection point as an industry to, uh, for, for professionals to, to put a flag in the ground and to say, this is what makes me different. And this is why I am the, you know, for, for whatever different reasons, like this is why I am the most suitable place for you to come and see me. And this is why. And so I, I just really wanted to take a step back and let you, I wanted to expand on that point. Cause I do think it's really, really important to understand that so much of the patient journey now begins before you even have a chance to see them that first time. Yeah, I'll never forget. I had a conversation in an industry event that I spoke at a couple of years ago and a practice owner had approached me and said, you know, I'm struggling with, with third party and uh, I'm just struggling with uh, all of these things and they're really taking over my market. And I said, well, how much are they controlling the conversation? How much are they out there? And she's like, well, they, you, you know, you, our online searches, they're everywhere. I said, well, how much are you out there? She's like, well, we're not. And I'm like, well, who's going to win? Because they're the only 
person that's talking in your market. And I get it. For most practice owners, it's really hard to shift to marketing and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to post videos online. It's just not usually in most of their nature. Some of them are really good at that, but the far majority that I talk to, they're really scared to pick up a camera. And I get it. The first time I did it, I was scared and I totally sucked at it too. So it, it just takes time and reps to do that. But you're right. The real battleground and the war is actually outside of your practice. And it, this is something we must do. I believe that the threats we're facing and including things like COVID, give leaders an opportunity to rise to who they really can be because without things like without these threats we probably would just be doing going through the motions like we did for years and years because we had plenty of patients coming in and we have essentially a product that uh, that has a cost of goods low enough that can help us have a healthy organization so it's not like we need to fit 300 people in a month to be successful no some most practices 10 20 30 people and they're doing really well so but you have to be able to be a part of the conversation. A lot of practice owners talk about brand and how important brand is, but I think more important is relevancy. Are you actually relevant uh, when that conversation comes up in the consumer's mind, in your patient's mind of, okay, I have this problem, I need to solve it, I'm struggling in speech and noise, for example, like, where do I go? Does, do you actually pop up? And you mentioned differentiation, well, here's one of the problems and here's something that I, here's a nugget that I will give you that I think is really powerful to remember. I'm always told, and I saw that in my practice that the number one objection to starting treatment is price, right? Everyone says it's always price, 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 price. Well, here's why. If you think about it, there is a, there is very little differentiation in most clinics across the country. In other words, how do you differentiate yourself when you basically carry the same products and or same services as everyone else across the country? And in the mind of the consumer, here's the nugget. If they don't know the difference, they always default to price because that's what they understand. So we blame them sometimes. We're like, well, it's not really about the price of the value you're getting and all that we're providing in three years of care. And we're going to hold your hand through the process. And we're going to make sure that, that you are successful with your treatment which you guys do a better job at that than anyone else, private practice owners do, but they don't know the difference. So when price is an objection, you haven't shown enough value and at least haven't created a positioning in the mind of your patient of why you are different. Because in a world where we've commoditized, essentially hearing healthcare, the patients will always, always default to price. So when you think about that, if price is a big objection, that is a big indicator that they don't know the difference. So you have got to start differentiating. In fact, and frankly, especially automation, it's a major differentiating factor. I mean, imagine like the traditional model is, is you put an ad on Facebook or direct mail or wherever, and you're putting on AdWords or ad on Facebook or, or Google or whatever, they have two options. They can click through to your website or they can uh, essentially call you. Well, the best place for a click to die is on the homepage of the average hearing healthcare website because the patient cares about the one thing that's important to them. And when they go there, they're trying to find it and there's so much information on it, they ended up, end up bouncing and you end up generating all of these clicks and impressions, right? And your marketing company will say, oh, look, we got like 3,000 clicks and 10,000 impressions or whatever. Look at these great numbers. And you're like, well, wait a minute. 
I can't live off of clicks and impressions. I can only live off of appointments. And by the way, it here works. That is the one metric we judge ourselves on is how many actual appointments we got. I don't care about clicks. I don't care about impressions. Frankly, I don't care about Facebook, Google, AdWords, direct mail, newspaper. I care about actual results. I care about the medium that will help me get the result that I need for my client to be successful. That will actually get them appointments. Outside of that, I don't care about any of that because the one thing that I will be hired for or fired for is how many appointments that I actually generate. And then we take it a step further by helping training, coaching, et cetera, on how to convert those patients into treatments and how to take, how to run a practice that is incredible and thriving. That's what our platinum partnership um, program is all about. So uh, this just sort of changed to me, Dave, when I uh, was a practice owner and I'll never forget it shifted for me when I got a letter and I still have the letter. I wonder if I have it in my drawer here. Uh, I got a letter from a patient thanking me for changing her life. And I read this, I don't even know how many times, it's probably three years ago that I got the letter and I realized, wait a minute, that is what it's all about. All the clutter, all the noise. At the end of the day, we wanna create that in every patient. I mean, they were literally thanking me for allowing them to spend $6,000 with me so that they could change their life. That's just a weird thought. But it turned into what I realized what that was is because we had done so much work on the front end, nurtured a patient, finally brought them in and then created an incredible experience. So they had an incredible experience throughout. I realized we were creating a raving fan and your goal is to create raving fans of your patients, which you can do as much outside of your practice as you can inside of your practice, if not more so outside, really. And raving fans do four things that just normal patients don't do. And we call it the four R's. They're much more likely to revert, review you. They're much more likely to refer you. They're much, much more likely to be retained by you. And they're much more likely to repurchase at you know three or four years down the road. And that is the goal is you want to create a raving fan. So we've created tools, strategies, and tactics, and things that massively differentiate practices that most people are not doing. And frankly, most people sometimes fail to see the value in it until they see the case studies that we provide and like, look, this is what's happening. This is how we're creating raving fans. And I'll never forget, we doubled the reviews of a client. Um, I, sorry, I didn't even double. I think they had seven or eight reviews when we started with them. And like a month later, they had 82 five-star reviews. It was crazy. Like that changed their practice entirely. Real reviews, real patients because of automation processes and systems. And I want you to know when I say automation, I don't mean like robots. I mean like our goal is to make automation as if you are literally picking up the phone and calling a patient, as if you are literally typing an email or sending a text or sending them a package or something like that. We're trying to make it completely emotional, completely humanized uh, as if you're having a conversation with a patient. So it is, a, it, there are so many tools and so much things that you can do to leverage so that you don't have to spend more time, but can get massive impact, massive influence, and frankly, create raving fans. And that is essentially at the core of what we do. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's such a great line of thinking too. The, the four R's, review, refer, repurchase, retain. I think that, you know, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because literally the last uh, episode that I had was uh, with Amin Emlani, Dr. Emlani. And, you know, the whole oh, cool. theme of the conversation was um, enhancing the value proposition of the, of the hearing professional. And it's very much along the same lines, which is, you know, you're right. Like there has been sort of this commoditization. Uh, and I think that there's like in, in a commoditized market, what happens is you get a price for, and then there really is like this race at the bottom. And so you really do have to sort of 
figure out how do you reposition your entire value proposition in such a way that is defensible. And this is where I think like, this is where the whole opportunity lies for the providers is, is for them to recapture like the, the whole reason why people are coming to see you. And again, the, what, what Amin and I discussed was that, you know, people aren't really coming in your clinic to get fit with hearing aids. For example, what they're coming for is that they have these quality of life deficiencies that they're looking to an expert to help them alleviate. And I think that if you really think about like what is at the absolute core of what you as a provider are are bringing to the table, it's you are a provision of knowledgeable expertise. And so I think that this, and, and there's so many different facets of this, you know, you have all of the different um, ways in which you facilitate care around, you know, helping people to amplify and, and helping to do the things in which you're amplifying those uh, situations for so that you can get back to enjoying dinner time conversation again. You can hear people at right. the table, right? It's not because I, I I'm coming to see you because I, I, I really want to get fit with hearing aids. It's I'm coming to see you because I can't, I can't enjoy a dinner anymore with my friends. Yeah, a hundred percent. There are, there are certain things that we did to make things really simple. Cause we talk about these things. And I think when most practice owners think, Oh, influencing outside of my practice, they're like, Oh my gosh, I don't have the time. I, I don't even have enough time in the day. We get two major um, pieces of feedback of what practices struggle. We get all of them, but the two major ones are, I need more private pay patients and I don't have enough time in the day. And we solve those things, but we're not here to create uh, an improvement upon what's already out in hearing healthcare in terms of marketing services and automation services. We came in to create a totally new opportunity. For example, um, you want to know how to have more influence in the market. We have an exact framework of exactly how to do that. Uh, we, uh, we created hearing healthcare's very first value ladder. If you don't know what a value ladder is, a value ladder is, well, in hearing healthcare, there's really one. It's like, okay, you come in for an appointment and you spend six or $7,000. And you go from nothing to that. And that's why our treatment rates are so low. I mean, how many times have you bought a very expensive product without first being conditioned over time to get to the point where you're willing to spend $10,000 for something or $15,000, right? Most companies in the world will have a value ladder where they'll bring them in at a very low type of a thing. I don't mean price. I mean, um, for example, have you ever thought of creating a, a Facebook group in your own community to influence and impact and educate your own consumers, consumers think like, um, odd boss group or, uh, uh what's it called? And ideology, happy hour, like those types of community pages for our industry. Think, think about that for your own community where you're educating on hearing healthcare and nurturing, et cetera. That would be the bottom of a value ladder where you can start building trust and rapport by giving. I, I truly believe your life will change today when you focus on what you can give rather than what you can get. And when you serve first, it is a powerful model for building trust and rapport. Our goal is to serve first. We, pu we push out so much free content and trainings and education, et cetera, including things like this, because we know we want to truly serve. And whether or not we get anything out of it, we don't care. Our goal is to serve first. And if you created something like that, that could be the bottom of your value ladder. Then you take them up to the next point and then to the next point. And then you bring them up to the, the point where they're finally able to come in and they're much more willing to hand over a check. So Dr. Cliff's a friend of mine. I've, we've studied, I've looked at his model for a while. I've had deep conversations with him before. Um, and part of the reason why he's so successful in his practice is because he spent three or four years serving. 
like his content or not like his content. You can't argue with the results of having, what is it, over 100,000 followers and uh, tons of views on his thing. And he will have people from across the country fly in because they want to be treated by him because he served them and educated them and didn't really ask for anything back, right? And it works. And that is a great example of the bottom of the value ladder where he's building rapport and educating and then he can bring them to the next level and the next level and then ultimately treat them and treat them create create raving fans so there's a lot of things you can do too without expanding so much time which is why we've created all these frameworks to show you exactly how to do it yeah i like that whole idea of creating a community i think that's because i think that sometimes maybe what um there's a knee-jerk reaction of like, I need to start doing more to, you know, do what they're saying. I need to be more present outside of my clinic and helping to shape the minds and win, you know, the win the hearts and minds of my patients before they even come and see me, but I don't even know where to, I begin. And then it becomes paralysis, you know, because it, it just yeah. seems so daunting. And, and so that's why I think it's important to note that like, look, nobody's saying that you need to become, you know, like a cliff and be like this right. massive YouTuber. <laughs> um, there's really small, simple things that you can do that are in line with what you want to do, right? Like just creating a community where your patients can communicate with one another and they can share, uh, uh, you know, their stories and, and their experiences. I mean, we all know this to be probably one of the most word of mark, word of mouth driven sales of anything out there, because that all plays into the stigma yes. and in the seven year gap and all of this. So you, you really are like people get up, you know, it's like going and bungee jumping, you're standing at the edge and nobody's willing to jump until you start to see other people doing it. And you start to hear, you know, I can, I can, watch videos until I'm blue in the face of, of all these different things of, you know, uh, the benefits and the features of the technology and all these great things. But until I see somebody that I sort of identify with that, I'm like, Hey, look, you know, this is a, a person that looks like me. They're saying that they have all the same challenges. I can't hear my grandkids or whatever it might be. And they're talking about like how this changed their life. That's way, way, way more powerful for them. So it's a matter of like, how do you actually then facilitate that and kind of foster that environment? And it doesn't have to be anything that's like earth shattering. And it's like all encompassing of your time. It can be small little baby steps. But again, it goes back to what you were saying before, which is like, let your patients go to bat for you and empower them to do such and foster that community where it's, you know, something where they're all engaging one another. I think that there's so much power to that. Well, here's just a quick, easy way to do something like creating your Facebook group uh, and engaging your community. It, and it's really just a simple steps and it will take you five, literally five minutes uh, a week. That's it. Five minutes. And here's all you do. You take 10 minutes to start, go create a, a group on Facebook. Don't call it the name of your practice, by the way, because then they're going to be like, oh, well, uh, they're just trying to sell me, right? Create a something that that sounds like it's an educational page or surrounding hearing healthcare in your community. Create it. Go to Canva create some graphics. It literally, Canva is so easy. You can create a Facebook cover and there's templates for it and just put your picture on there and your name or the name of the group. And then tell post and tell people, hey, I'm going to go live Tuesdays at 5 p.m. or whatever, once a week. At Tuesdays at 5 p.m., grab your camera, go live on Facebook, talk for Ask five me minutes. anything. Or you could do that too. And people are like, well, what am I going to say? What content? Here's the cool thing. You already have the content. You have more content than you ever thought possible. Why? Exactly. Because you know every question a patient's ever asked and every problem that they've ever told you. Turn those in how-tos. Questions are, I'm nailing a problem. And then sometimes they'll just tell you the problem. Just what are the top 10 problems my patients tell me they're having with their hearing healthcare? 
And all you do is turn that into a how-to. So literally at 5 p.m. on Tuesday or whatever the time is, you just go live. And I know cameras, it's, it's terrible, but <laughs> being on a camera, honestly, is the same thing as being in front of a person. It, it, you, it may seem like awkward, but for some reason we become like really stiff because there's a camera there, not because there's a person, but just talk to them that like their people and be like, Hey, and the, the name is how to state the problem that most people most hear, how to solve this. Right. Uh, and really easy. And then go and talk about it for five minutes. And when you start talking, you'll be blown away that you could talk about it for two hours if you wanted to and do that once a week. That's, that's it. And starting and your customers will start engaging, have your PCC monitor the page and maybe post one engaging question, engaging question a week, which will take three minutes. So literally in eight to 10 minutes of time, you can do this. Now there's that. Okay. Do I need a professional camera? No, just start with your iPhone. People are used to it. Some of the biggest pages I've ever seen, people are literally on their iPhone. Just okay. That's it. Yeah. Start there and start building a community and you'll be blown away. And then tell your patients about it. Hey, by the way, go to our community here, join here. Here's a QR code, scan it um, and join our community and get your current patients there too. Cause then it will reinforce like, Hey, I knew I chose them for a reason. They're the guru. They're the guide. Uh, they're the expert. Look at these guys. And I'm so glad I was with them. And it also reinforces why they made the decision to treat their hearing loss with you. That's, I mean, that's so, so easy. Uh, but a lot of us just put these mental blocks in our mind, like it's going to be hard. It, it literally will take that long every week. That's it. I, I love that whole bit there because you're right. Like, uh, first of all, it does not, do not let the, um, you know, perfection don't, don't let perfection be an Im impediment to you getting started. I think that's number one. I think number two is just like you said, where you are the expert with this stuff. You, if, if that's another part of the paralysis, if you will, is I don't know what I'm going to be talking about. You're right. Like think through like, well, what are some of those daily things that come up within my conversations in the clinic and, and how can, it's like the whole adage of like, if one person has a question, a lot of people probably have that same question. And I just think that I like these concrete examples though, because I think it really does highlight, like, again, it's like, the whole name of the game right now is you have this amazing differentiator and it's a matter of like starting to use it and wield it. And, and, and that, again, that differentiator is you, it's your expertise. You can guarantee that, that a lot of these competitors that are coming online are not going to be interested in doing this kind of stuff. They're strictly interested in high, high volume sales, being able to, and, and, and they want this to be as commoditized yeah. as possible. They want this to be get in, get out, get, be on your way. And maybe I'll never see you again. You know, maybe there's going to be a little bit of a follow-up visit. So take the, the, the deficiencies of these new competitors. Yeah. They're good at some things. They, they have marketing budgets because they're backed by these multi-million or multi-billion dollar companies. So yeah, you're not going to necessarily be able to beat them on like the production value of the commercials that they're running in your network. But you know where you can beat them is the ways in which you engage your community and you do these kinds of really uh, simple, easy to do things where all it is is like, hey, you, you know, making the patients aware of, hey, I have this Facebook page. It's whole, the whole thing's designed for you and all of our other patients to get together and talk about some of those like commonly held issues that you run into ways that maybe we can use some, you know, new uh, techniques to, to circumvent some of these challenges, watching the TV, you know, all of the zoom calls that you do throughout the day, like maybe there's some ways that we can optimize these things. Well, one quick point that you said that I think is really powerful is that word perfection. And at the risk of maybe offending somebody, I will tell you that perfection is actually the lowest standard you should shoot for, not the highest. The reason why is because 
Have you ever met a perfect person? Have you ad- ever had a perfect evaluation? Have you ever had a perfect delivery on anything? I haven't. Perfection is the lowest standard. And so when you understand that, it sort of frees those of us that are perfectionists from realizing, oh, guess what? At first, I'm probably going to suck. But then again, so did Babe Ruth when he started. There is no thing, there's no person that's ever gone to a high level of success without being super bad at it at first and without failing time and time again. And, you know, I put videos out there and I watch them. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so bad. But then it inspires me to do the next one better and then the next one. And then I just do it so much that it becomes second nature and you become really good at it. But your patients aren't expecting you to be perfect. What they are expecting is for you to be you. I mean, I can guarantee you that not doing this will not get you the result. I can't guarantee that it will completely get you the result. But I can tell you, if you're not authentic, uh, then people will see through that. Just simply be yourself. Be yourself on camera, just like you are in front of a patient. And don't worry about perfection because it really is the lowest standard. Yeah, could not agree more. Um, so as we kind of come to the close here, um, share with us maybe one example of a client who is like using your services to the fullest and, and, and the success that they're having. And then maybe, you know, as it relates to the audience here, somebody that's just getting started. And for those that might be in that same boat where it's like, I know I need to kind of do something and I'm looking to figure (laughs) out what it is that I'm even going to do. Um, it would be great to kind of hear, I guess, the spectrum of, of success that you're seeing. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I had a client that asked me to come and speak to her organization a few weeks ago, which I don't do very often, but spent a few hours with them and spoke to them. And it was an incredible day. And we were talking about the success she's had. Now she is a a marketing automation only client. She does our automation system, uh, which helps nurture and educate in her patients and help her grow from the inside out. And uh, she contributed 29% of her growth last year, meaning she grew 29% um, since starting the automation system to what automation was able to do for here, which is really, really powerful. Um, We had a full service client that uh, started back, uh, started in November, couple of years ago. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time for things to get rolling. But by week three of January was breaking records every week. And every week I would get a text. Oh, we hit another record. We hit another record, another record week, another record week. Um, and it was just, it's just incredible to see that. To me, that's the paycheck. Getting that text from a client is the paycheck for me. I, that's what I love. That's what we, that's what we love to do. Now I'll give an example of platinum partners. And by the way, platinum partners essentially is it's not necessarily an easy program to get into because it's you have to apply to get into it uh, where we literally walk um, us only a limited number of of clinic owners, we literally walk them or help walk them to the finish line. Meaning here's your goal. Here's where you want to get. And we're going to dive into every aspect of your business to do it. We only open up applications once a year, which is generally in October. And, um, and then we provide high level coaching, training, strategy, stuff that you don't get at AAA or ADA or anything like that. It's very, very different from anything else. We bring in some of the best in the world at, at solving the problems that they need to solve. And it's just, it's just literally life-changing. Frankly, it's what I love most because people's lives change from it. It's super awesome. So uh, that's another example of a program that we get so much incredible feedback of just things that have changed their practice. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a few examples, but we have a lot of practices that will start to break their records now because of it. So here, here, the one thing too, that's really important is we're not, um, again, we're not loyal to any particular medium. We're loyal to results. And we, I reach outside of our industry to get the strategy that is cutting edge 
And then I adapt it for hearing healthcare versus trying to create it from the resources inside of the industry, which has made all the difference in the world. And this is not something, this is not lip service at all. I legitimately spend an hour to two hours every morning learning and growing and trying to learn from other people that are better than I am at what I do or social media influence or you name it, any mastermind program training um, I get, I can get my hands on. I spend one or two hours every morning and it's, it's how we generated ideas for finding the way to combat the threats. And even if we don't have the answer, finding the answer and helping a practice really thrive through the challenges they face in their market. So I hope that's what you're looking for. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. This has been a, a really awesome conversation. Like I said, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, I'm so focused right now on this podcast of identifying all the different ways in which a, a practice owner a hearing professional can just, you know, like I want to look for all the different ammunition that's available for them so that they're armed for what I do kind of feel like is this mounting, you know, battle uh, between them and, and all of these other avenues of care. And, and you know what, some of those other avenues of care are great. So this isn't, a, uh, this isn't intended to badmouth any of these new things. I actually think that there's a lot of real positive things that are happening right now in terms of new ways that, you know, we're going to be able to treat patients and, and, and hopefully grow the whole pie of people that aren't treating their hearing less, start to reduce the number yes. uh, of years that it takes for people to take action. But what I do know is that, that the providers out there need to understand that they don't necessarily need to just think that, oh, because my competitors are lowering their prices and lowering their prices, that that necessarily is like an indication that, that's the only way to succeed in this market and be viable. There is so much more that can be done around the value. And I think like that's the whole name of the game is figuring out over the course of this year and into the future is like, what does make you unique? What are the things that you really like the legs that you have to stand on that you love about your practice and figuring out how do you start to sort of like um, decouple those things and make them services that you can then become, you know, that, that then becomes part of your revenue. That isn't everything, just the end all be all tied to the sale of the hearing aid. And so I think that there's just a lot of really exciting things on the horizon. And I love all of what you've mentioned today of this idea of like, look, sometimes it's really good to kind of look outside of the industry and see, you know, we have this sort of, we're like always at the tail end of all these new trends, it seems to be. And so in a, in a way you can use that to your advantage by understanding that, Hey, look around, like, look at some of these adjacent industries, what's going on in dental, what's going on in optometry, like start to kind of educate yourself on, on that space or go to the people that are educating them and, and start to understand like, where are some of these new services and, and tools? Like what, what can I be doing to, to help to maximize my current yes. practice? So I just think that there's like a, a lot that can be done right now in preparation um, as a way to just continue to uh, differentiate yourself, not just in your own mind, but in the mind of all of the prospective patients out there that really do understand the difference between you and any of these other avenues of care. Yeah, absolutely. And reaching out has helped us create some new program. We, we, for example, we kind of discovered a new program, a new opportunity, maybe two or three weeks ago and tested it on a client and granted they have a lot of locations It generated 500 leads in one day. It was crazy. We're like, wow. Oh my gosh. So we're like, okay, how can we duplicate that? And how can we like improve that? And, and now the clients even wants, okay, we need to do this twice a month. And it was really, <laughs> really cool strategy. Um, but those are the types of things by reaching out, you can 
really uh, find a way to increase your private pay business for sure. Awesome, Eric. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here today. Thank you. And we will chat with you next time. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.